Hey, DJ, we're back in the studio with a very special episode. Today, we're talking about the late, great Ray Stevenson. We're a couple of guys who like to watch movies. Cinema nerds who made it our duty to make a show where we break down, discuss, and review. We're the men who watch movies. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Men Who Watch Movies. My name is Alec. And my name's DJ the Movie Man Wagner, also known as the COE of The Men Who Watch Movies. And with me is the Vice President. Would you give a big Movie Man welcome to El Castro Home? 69, dudes! Hello, everybody, and welcome to another great episode. Today, we're doing a little tribute to Ray Stevenson, who just recently passed away, a great actor, uh, many great roles. We're gonna we're gonna talk about some of our favorites, uh, but first, before we get into that, we're gonna do what we normally do. We're gonna talk about some stuff that's going on in the industry, some of the latest stuff on the the edge of 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 of, of, of the movie news sphere. This week in, in movie, movie news. news, cue that intro. All right, all right, all right. We have a lot of great stuff for you this week in movie news. All right, our first bit of movie news. Barry Keegan, apparently he exited Gladiator 2. Uh, he had a little bit of scheduling conflict, uh, so he's no longer going to be in it. What do you think Ooh. about uh, having a sequel to Gladiator? I don't know. I, I still think Russell Crowe is very, very good at that stuff. Yes, he's the GOAT. Um, I don't know. It's, it's not going to involve him in any way. Uh, I believe it's going to be a whole new story from what I from what I heard. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting seeing, uh, you know, a continuation of uh, that time period and some other stuff going on and whatnot. Uh, what did you think of the first film? Oh, it was awesome. You know, that music made me emotional. It was very, very awesome. You got Walking Phoenix as a bad guy. You got Russell Crowe. Um, it's just awesome, you know, but there were some critics who didn't like it. Not gonna say any names, but you know, <laughs> they're in heaven. May oh, really? rest in peace. Interesting, and I'm not sure who you're talking about, but uh, oh, I oh, think I know. Cisco Niebert. <laughs> well, yeah, there you go. Yeah, when he said the image. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. Uh, apparently, he was set to portray a villainous Emperor uh, Gaeta alongside Paul Mescal, Denzel Washington, Pedro Pascal, and Joseph Quinn. Oh, so a great, great cast. So it's um, he's going to be missed uh, on the set. Apparently, you know, I, I mean, I, you know, who knows? Um, who they're going to get to replace him? I don't know. Maybe it's someone uh, of just of a high caliber of acting. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see who they get to uh, take on that role. But uh, he's definitely a great actor, and um, I'm going to miss uh, you know what we could have potentially got with him in that role. All right, moving on, moving on. Uh, apparently, uh, the the horror movies continue with the uh, children's properties. Uh, first, we had uh, was it Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Holy! Uh, then we had Moly. Then we had the uh, what was the, the mean one, where it was like the the horror movie Grinch. Uh, I haven't seen either of them. I heard that they were just awful. And apparently, they're doing a sequel to Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey now. Uh, and then uh, I am <laughs> kind of want to see it. I'm not sure. I mean, you know. <laughs> 
I think I mean, we can rent it now. We should check it out. But moly, apparently I mean, they're doing a Cinderella horror movie adaption, uh, and it's uh, it's currently in development. Um, <laughs> according to Bloody Disgusting, a Cinderella horror film uh, is officially in the works uh, from studio uh, Champ Dog Films. Uh, it's going to be titled Cinderella's Curse. Uh, it's going to release sometime this October. I don't know. What do you think about this whole, you know, taking uh, something that's traditionally for kids and then uh, making it into a horror film? I don't know. I don't know about well, that. Well, you know, I mean, with the domain and whatnot, you know, I mean, I, I, I guess, you know, people have certain domains, you know, I guess they're going to want to make it, you know, creative and whatnot. But I think it's a load of nonsense what they're doing. I mean, like, you know, <laughs> they're taking an innocent children's fairy tale book and they're making it into a horror movie. I'm like, yeah, right. I, I think it's. Uh, I think that's enough. Uh, they tried it once, and I think it, you know it proved to be not uh, viable. It, it, you know, I heard that Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey was just absolute trash. Um, I think they should just focus on making uh, original properties and whatnot. You know, but that's just my opinion, man. Uh, right, right. Next bit of movie news. Officially, uh, WB. Uh, removes all director and writer credits uh, when they switched over from HBO Max to Max. Uh, writers and directors uh, have spoken out against the change, um, which reportedly violates DGA rules uh, for official credits as well as reducing the creative contributions of directors and writers. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree with them. I think that's that's them. They're taking, you know, instead of listing the people who are directing and writing these films, they're just kind of mashing them all together saying, oh, they're, they're just creators of the they're you know they're basically essentially content creators of this movie or show or whatever it is and it's like no it's like you got to give them uh proper billing you know uh after all there is a uh hierarchy and whatnot um i don't know they need to fix that quick because you know they're already catching flack uh for all the changes that they made uh this is just on the long list of that all right next bit of movie news the flash director apparently has oh wait no this uh, I had an old bit of movie news. Uh, actually, we're ta- forget the Flash for a second. We're talking about the great Quentin Tarantino. Apparently, yep. he, he released a little more information about uh, his new movie, The Film Critic, or The Movie Critic, I should say. Uh, apparently, he said it's based on a guy who really lived but was never really famous, and he used to write movie reviews for a porno rag. All the other stuff was too skanky to read, but there was a porno rag that had a really interesting movie page. He wrote about mainstream movies, and he was on the second string. He was like a second string critic. Uh, I think he was a very good critic. He was a he was cynical as hell. His reviews were a cross between early Howard Stern and what Travis Bickle might uh, be if he were a film critic. Think about Travis's diary entries. <clears throat> so that's interesting. It's going to be so. It's not originally who they thought it was going to be about. Uh, I don't know. Are you, you know, does uh, does this movie sound interesting at all? It actually does. Yeah. Very, very interesting. I mean, I'm it's a Tarantino. Fan. I mean, it, Tarantino. You know, he's a super, super, super badass. He's rich. <laughs> he has all that stuff from the movies. He has all that props. He is a legendary, legendary national treasure. Oh yeah. I mean, he's. he's I mean, he he rarely steers us wrong. So. Um, I mean, so far from what I'm getting from this movie, it doesn't sound too interesting, but I mean, it's just, I'm, I'm betting he just barely scratching the surface about what this movie is about. And, you know, I mean, uh, you know, he can turn anything interesting. I mean, he, he's such a great writer of dialogue. Um, I think it's going to be great. What do you think? I think it's going to be great. <laughs> Very great. <laughs> I sure hope so. 
Uh, I mean, it's supposedly his final movie, so he's, he's got to go out with a bang, right? Yep. All right, all right, all right. Moving on, moving on. Apparently, Phil Lord and Chris Miller have cast Ryan Gosling in a project called Hail Mary. Uh, it's apparently an adaptation of a book by Andrew Weir, uh, same author who wrote The Martian. Remember that? Remember they made it into a movie with, uh, what's-his-face, Matt Damon? Or his name? Oh, yeah. I, that's an awesome movie. Yeah. So that's going to be interesting. I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, are you a fan of Ryan Gosling? Oh, yeah. I mean, I... I saw that movie La La Land, and it was really, it was really good, interesting. You it was know, a good movie. I liked it. With Emma Stone, Ryan Gosling. Oh, and for those of you who do not know, it was uh, Jeff Goldblum's wife who had a um, a stand-in uh, stunt double for Emma Stone. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, like well, I, I didn't know what her name was, but you know, I mean, you know, but apparently, you know, Jeff Goldblum's wife is in the movie. I don't know which character she plays, but... We said she was a stand-in, right? Yeah, I think she was a stand-in for Emma Stone or a stunt double. I'm not sure, but That's you cool. know. That's a little bit of a cool uh, tidbit of information. Uh, there's that. Um, there's like a clip going around of behind the scenes from that movie uh, where Emma Stone is like doing like freestyle dancing to uh, Ryan Gosling playing the piano. And it's cool because you can see that they filmed it all in camera. There's no like hidden cuts. Uh, it, pan, it does like a whip pan back and forth real quick between her dancing and then Ryan Gosling playing the piano. And she's doing, you know, she's doing like this whimsical fancy dancing and whatnot. Uh, and then they, they, yeah, they did it all in one take. You can see them panning back and forth. It's really, really cool. Um, good movie. I also liked him in Blue Valentine. Uh, Remember the Titans? That was a good role. He was in there? Yeah, he was in Remember the Titans. You got to rewatch that movie, man. That's a good movie. <laughs> he, I, I have seen it, but I, I didn't see Ryan Gosling there. I mean, he, he, he's in there. What did he play? He played one of the football players. Oh yeah. You got to uh, check it out, man. It was good. Remember, he was. There's that one scene where he's really into like country music. He's like, "How about this one?" I don't even have to, have to ask about this one. And then one of the other guys, he's like, "Does cruel and unusual punishment mean anything to you?" I love that scene. <laughs> All right, all right, all right, all right. Not to get too off topic here. Moving on, moving on. Apparently, Marvel has delayed the Thunderbolts due to the Writers Guild strike. Uh, I mean, we saw this coming. Everything. We hope it, it it's going to come back. We hope that yeah, you know Harrison eventually. Ford does a really, really good job. We heard it from the movie news, and we just heard it that you know Harrison Ford is going to be the best Thunderbolt Ross. Of course, we are going to miss William Hurt's portrayal. May he rest in peace. Yes, it's a very, very legendary portrayal of the character but we got to see harrison ford's new take on the character oh, yeah. he's way better of an actor and a, probably of a person i've heard some like stuff about um what's his face uh, was it was he william hurt yeah, well, yeah i heard I heard, I heard that he was a scoundrel and uh some i don't know some rumors and whatnot not to get too off topic here but get too anyway off topic. uh i know harrison ford's a way better pick anyway uh yeah it, it, hopefully everything gets resolved uh soon uh, for the writer's sake that they get the compensation they're looking for uh, but like i said yeah we saw this coming everything's being delayed due to the writer's strike I mean, you can't have uh movies without writers yeah and it's a load of nonsense but you know i did hear about the new indian jones movie I heard that on the Rotten Tomatoes, you know, movie review, you know, it didn't do, it didn't do that good, but nevertheless, I, I, I will see it. Oh yeah, pretty, I, want, I definitely want to see it. Um, I mean, I trust the audience score more so than the critic score. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm going to see it regardless because uh, it's his last time as Indiana Jones, uh, end of an era. Um <laughs> 
So we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how that movie does. But yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to that. Uh, and it also, of course, Blade has been pushed back too because of the writer's strike. Everything's being pushed back. That's you know, because, you know, oh, it's I not written right because of the writer's is, strike. No, over and everything can go back to normal. Yeah, and I, heard, I heard even uh, Deadpool three. It's even though it's written already. Um, Ryan Gosling, because he's part of uh, not Ryan Gosling, <laughs> Ryan Reynolds. Uh, we were talking about Gosling earlier. Uh, Ryan Reynolds is part of like the the Writers Guild, and so he's prohibited from writing any like ad libs. So like you know how like when he's talking as Deadpool, he'll just like ra- add random stuff in that's not part of the script, and it'll make it into the movie. He's not allowed to ad lib at all. Apparently, while filming Deadpool three, he has to stick to the script one hundred percent. So that's I feel like that's gonna. Uh, I don't know, inhibit his ability to, to be humorous. I don't know. I don't know about that one. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how that movie turns out. I feel like they should just stop filming until the writer's strike is over. But and they got to keep chugging along, I suppose. You know, they can't delay everything. All uh, right, all right, all right. Our next bit of movie news. Angry Hanks is back. Apparently, What's going on with him? <laughs> apparently on the Cannes red carpet, Tom Hanks was seen. It appears that he's yelling at somebody. On the red carpet, it looks like the return of Angry Hanks. Oh, no. Uh, Or is it? Apparently, according to his wife, Rita Wilson, that's not the case at all. Um, Apparently, he was on the red carpet looking angry, uh, you know, shaking his finger, wagging his finger at somebody. But apparently, um, Rita Wilson said that that's not the case, that it, it... turns out that it was loud they couldn't hear anything that the man was saying they were looking for directions on where to go and uh he was just uh he was just hard of hearing and he couldn't hear him uh, and so he was talking loud because you know it's you know it's, it's it's loud on the red carpet and you can't hear and that you know he wasn't angry at all he was just confused uh, a confused old man uh, so apparently that they blew but the story out of, <laughs> he is legendary and so, so funny. Yeah. Apparently they blew the story out of proportion. Um, so no angry Hanks. Uh, I know how much you love your angry Hanks. What, 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 what did he, what did he yell last time? Uh, when, when, uh, someone almost bumped into his wife. What? Back the fuck off. <laughs> Knocking over my wife. I think he added that last part, but yeah, oh. he said something similar to that. My wife. That was, that was a, a fun fact. That was supposed to be in Toy Story One. <laughs> what? No, no. I mean, I mean, like you when know, he, like, like was, actually, uh, um, there was a. Uh, he's supposed to say "back the fuck up." But it was it was, it was something like that. But <laughs> but they didn't allow him to do cursing back then. So I guess like you know they wanted to keep it you know fresh. That's right. Yeah, I think he was supposed to be like "fuck you, Buzz Lightyear." <laughs> that was supposed to be it, but I don't know how it happened. I have no idea. That's <laughs> something like that. Yeah, I did. Don't take our word for it, though. Don't take my word for it. <laughs> <laughs> right. I and say another, stuff just because I like to say stuff. Me too. All right, all right, all right. Not to get too off topic here. Uh, righty, righty, righty. All right, next bit of movie news. Um, apparently, oh yeah, we have. Uh, we're, we're we're getting into the last bit of of, of movie news here, uh, and a sad uh, bit of movie news. Apparently, the avant-garde filmmaker and Hollywood fabulist Kenneth Anger has passed away, uh, which is sad. Uh, also. Uh, we have Jim Brown, actor. Oh, that's right, from the Dirty Dozen. Yeah, NFL Hall of Famer and civil rights activist uh, Jim Brown has passed away as well at the age of 87. Uh, and I'm not mistaken, he was a football player for the Cleveland Browns. Yes, and then also I remember one, the one uh, role I remember him uh, recently, I watched a review online of uh, 
Mars Attacks. Of course, he was in Mars Attacks. I remember him in that. He played Pam Greer's husband, a strange husband in that movie. Uh, ex-boxer. He beat, I remember he, uh, he gives his life, uh, you know, to, to save people from the aliens. He starts, like, punching him and boxing him and whatnot. He was good in that movie. Uh, he'll be missed. And, of course, as we mentioned at the beginning of this episode, uh, Ray Stevenson has passed away. Um, so sad. Of course, we know him as Volstag and Thor. Uh, but he is best known for the Punisher War Punisher Warzone, RRR. Um, more recently, uh, he was 58 years old. Um, so sad. And this brings a conclusion. We will miss you, good sir, and... <laughs> We will continue to watch your movies, Mr. Stevenson, and of course, R.I.P. Definitely, definitely. And keep on watching, good sir. Definitely. Uh, This brings a conclusion to this week in Movie Movie News. News. Let's get back to the show. All right, so uh, let's talk some Ray Stevenson. So what what was your first introduction to Ray Stevenson? Oh, I think it was... uh, uh, Thor one. Oh really? Well, no. But you, you, did you see Punisher Wars on one? Oh yeah, I, I did see Punisher Wars on it. And it was yeah, a so that gritty, would be gritty first... movie, and it was a, a powerhouse of a movie. Very, oh, yeah. very different. I mean, the way I saw it, I mean, it was very, very different. You know, it had a lot of gore. It had a lot of gravitas. It had a lot of the um, stuff that Lexi Alexander said. You know about you know she wanted more color in the movie, and it had a lot of color. Color and it was so different from Thomas Jane version, but I still am a fan of Thomas Jane. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I am a fan of Ray Stevenson and John Bernthal. Oh yeah, the whole Punisher trio. They should do like a Into the Punisher verse. They should Uh, do that. They should. But it's just fucking like brutally like gory the whole movie. Like people are getting their faces caved in and whatnot and blown up and. That'd be uh, that'd be an interesting uh, cartoon. Hey, if we want to do like a you know we're talking about uh, children's movies gone like um, like extreme gory and whatnot. <laughs> that'd be they could do like an animated Spider Verse type movie with the Punishers. That'd be insane. Now there was a uh, Marvel's um, uh, Kids Force. I'm not sure what it's called, but Ray Stevenson actually you know reprised his role. Oh yeah, that's right. He did the voice acting for the Punisher for for a bit. Yeah, I, I, that's right. I remember that. That was cool. Uh, he was yeah. He was definitely a great Punisher. Um, I do I do prefer as as a movie. I do prefer the Thomas Jane version. Um, but uh, definitely as an actor playing the Punisher, I feel like he he was like spot on for the role. Like you said, he has that gravitas. He has like oh, very very much. He had that haircut. He has the training. He definitely looks like the character, you know, the way he portrayed himself, the way he looks. He looks like a um, angry guy who's going to yeah, fight he, crime. Yeah, he looks like an ex-military guy who's going to fuck you up. Like, he looks like he, he can take command of the room and like he he he, he, he has that punisherness to him. I feel like oh, that's something very, very I, I love Thomas Jane, but I feel like that's something Thomas Jane lacked a little bit. Um I feel like we're, you know, Ray Stevenson, he seems more like someone who would have been in the military and whatnot. Um, but yeah, overall, the movie itself was just okay. Um, what, what was your opinion on, on Punisher Warzone? It was very, very, very gritty, very, very good, and very, very, very awesome. Oh, yeah. I think uh, I think definitely Ray Stevenson made that movie. Like, it, it, with that, without him, I feel like it would have been just total awful. 
Uh, but I think that's mostly on part due to like the villains in that movie. The villains were just insane. Dominic West. <laughs> like uh, he's, I could, he's typically. I believe it, but it was it was, it was you know like a he's typically a good actor. But I feel like when you there's certain actors when you get them in a comic book type movie they feel like well it's a comic book movie I got like crazy. And then uh, I feel like that's what he did in this movie. Like all of the like the Italian mob, especially they were like overly Italian, like human meatballs. Like I don't know. I feel like they were just like over the top cartoon characters. What do you what do you think about that? Oh, it was very very over the top. But uh, that old guy Italian who, who <laughs> oh yeah, who, who that was who, that, who that was like, that was a cool scene. I'm that sorry, was a cool scene. You know, he says uh. Yeah, I was like, "What is this? An episode of the uh, The Sopranos?" Like, like well, it had what, so many elements of The Sopranos. Imagine the that Sopranos being your last word. You know, you and... so so the, let me set the scene here. The Punisher he breaks into this mob family's house, right, and then he executes them all brutally and bloodily. Uh, he caves in somebody's face with a chair, and then he uh, and then. Uh, but the first thing he does is he chops off like the main mafia guy's head. And his last words, like you said, are "bafamgul." I don't know why uh, that was. I don't know, that made me laugh. You think in a serious movie, you shouldn't have to. You shouldn't laugh like that. But I don't know. It was very comedic. Like I don't know. Like I said, the villains are played very comedic in this movie, and I feel like that drags this movie down a bit. Um, Oh yeah, that was a bit silly. I do love that scene though, where he hangs upside down on the chandelier and he starts spinning around and gunning them down. That was pretty cool. That was actually my mom's favorite scene because I accidentally took her to see the movie <laughs> a while back. But you know, it is what it is. You know, I actually took my mom there, and she she thought it was you know a little bit gory, you know, stuff like that. But you know, as long as you know, she she always tells me like you know, as long as you enjoy, you know, you know that that's good enough. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Um, but yeah, that was a good scene when he's hanging upside down. Although it was a little weird that they did a shot because you have um, you have like the up and coming mobster named uh, Billy the Butte, uh, who later becomes Jigsaw. Spoiler alert! But uh, he becomes Jigsaw, the main villain of the movie, um, played by like like, like we mentioned uh, Dominic West. Um, him and one of his buddies are they're like uh, up on the higher level in the building. They're like looking down over the railing at the Punisher spinning around on the chandelier shooting everybody. I feel like they had a good shot at him. Like, he was very vulnerable. They could have blown his nuts off with, with like, a shotgun or something. I don't know why they were just standing there watching him uh, blow, blow everyone away. But uh, that was, like, a weird shot. It showed, like, the vulnerable um, aspect to that cool moment of him sh- hanging upside down on the chandelier. But uh, uh, I feel like they could have left that scene out. But uh, anyway, not to get too off topic here. Um Overall, the story basically is um, so Punisher. He he blows away uh, this uh, mob family. Of course, he's on he's on the war path because you know the whole backstory of the Punisher. I'm sure everyone knows by now. But you know he his family was brutally murdered uh, by some mobsters. Uh, in this version of the movie, it's very close to the comic book um, where they're picnicking at uh, Central Park and they they witness a mob hit and, and the mob chases after them, um, guns him down. Of course, Frank Castle survives, becomes the Punisher. Um, and he becomes super, super angry. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, which is very different from the Thomas Jane version. They decided to go a whole different route uh, where it's like a whole family. That was, that, was, that was brutal. It was like a whole family reunion for Frank Castle. He went to um, Puerto Rico. And they had a, everyone, like all the extended family was there. They all got blown away. It wasn't just his wife and kids. It was insane. Uh, but this one's more close to the comic books and whatnot. And so well, very, he's on, very much. He's on the warpath, taking out criminals left and right. And of course, he goes and blows away this mob family. 
Um, and then, um, he accidentally, uh, in one, there's, well, there's one, uh, it wasn't in this incident, but there was another incident where he's, uh, trying to take down, uh, Billy the Butte and all the, uh, you know, the rest of the mobsters at some, at some factory. And, uh, he accidentally takes out an undercover agent that's working the case. And so he feels really bad. He's wanting to retire and whatnot. And so that's like the main, like main part of the story, um, that, follows throughout and there's the the guy that he kills family the the agent's family is now targeted by billy the butte who becomes jigsaw after he falls into like a a machine right it's like a glass, like glass crush, crusher glass crusher and it's like you know he comes out and then the guy says he's like we got a live one billy the butte <clears throat> well uh not so much you know his face is all jagged Ain't beautiful no more yeah. yeah i don't know how he didn't uh, i don't know how he didn't die but uh you know, it's, it's part of the movie. Uh, but yeah, so his face gets all jacked up. Uh, it's like cut up and then they have to, uh, uh, try and get a doctor to stitch it together. It almost reminded me of like the Joker scene where they try and, uh, try and fix his face up, except, uh, Joker was a little bit more jovial. You know, he, he was, ins- he went insane. And so all, all he could do was laugh it off. But, uh, Billy the Butte, he ends up killing the doctor because he can't, uh, fix his, he fixed his face all crappily. I mean, he, he did what he could. Like literally there was barely any flesh left, uh, to mend together. I mean, I feel like he did a decent job for, uh, for what little face he had left. But, uh, the Billy the Butte now, uh, wanting to go by the moniker Jigsaw because he saw, apparently he saw like a, uh, a billboard uh, with like a jigsaw puzzle of the Statue of Liberty saying the world is yours. Um, that he wanted to be called Jigsaw. And so now he goes by Jigsaw. Uh, now he's hell bent on uh, trying to find that money because apparently there was like some sting that went down and uh, he thinks that like the agent took money from him because there's money missing. And so he that's why he goes after the agent's family and whatnot. So uh, the only thing stopping Frank from retiring uh, as the Punisher is trying to save that family. So that's like the main throughout. I think that's one great thing about Ray Stevenson's Punishers that uh, he really had like a sense of, um, you could you could see that, that emotional connection between him and his family and wanting to save uh, that undercover agent's family because it reminds him of, you know, his, you know, his daughter and his wife and how uh, he failed to protect them. So he's kind of projecting onto this new, this other family wanting to save them. You, you make know. a very, very good point. And it makes sense because, you know, it's uh, about vengeance and whatnot. And, of course, when you get the DVD, of course, because I already have it, of course. And it's, <laughs> it's like, you know, oh, like, yeah. vengeance has his name. And, of course, you know, it has, you know, Reed Stevenson. He looks badass as the Punisher. Yeah. He, like I said, he definitely has that look, uh, uh, you know, of, of Frank Castle. Um, you know, aside from, like, the, you know, the perfect... Um, acting and that you know, yeah, as as the Punisher, I feel like he has that look too. Like, like I said, he's very commanding. He seems like he could be like ex-military and whatnot. Very, very much. Um, but yeah. Um, what do you think about the story though? I think that was cool. I like I like seeing some of the Punisher's like more vulnerable sides as well. Like the oh, I like it. There's like uh, moments where um, there are moments like gritty parts, and of course you see. Uh, Wayne Knight portrayed as Micro. Oh, yeah, that's very, right. Very, very awesome. I he had they, a very, very small part, but very, yeah. very awesome. They had a good cameo. I mean, he had a good cameo. Well, it was, it was a little more than a cameo, but he had a good role in this movie. I feel like they had a good chemistry together. He was in three parts, or I forget um, how, many, how many scenes he was in. I yeah, he, I feel like they could have utilized him a little bit more, but 
Um, that's one thing this movie was missing. It felt like a sequel to a movie that never was because of course we had the Thomas Jane Punisher and, uh, they were, they were working on a sequel to that and that fell through Thomas Jane dropped out cause they were taking uh, something with the studio was taking too long or whatnot. And he just, he just, you know, he ended up dropping out and, um, they decided to do the reboot. Uh, but of course, you know, the, the Punisher movie with Thomas Jane had, hadn't come out that long before. It was only like four years uh, before. And so they don't want to do a completely like from the beginning reboot with the whole origin story. So they show hints of the origin, but they don't do like a from the top story of the Punisher. And so it felt like there was a whole like, you know, because it wasn't like a direct, you know, a sequel to the, the the Thomas Jane one. It felt like there was something missing. Like like I said, it's a sequel to a movie that never was. Like you, you don't really see the relationship getting built with Micro, um, played by Wayne Knight. And, you know, you don't. You don't really get a good sense of who Frank's family was and whatnot. You get like little flashbacks here and there and whatnot. But I feel like there was that, you know, I feel like that was really what was lacking uh, partly in this movie was that the whole backstory and whatnot. But uh, I can understand them not wanting to go full origin story. Exactly. You know, kind of jumping into it and whatnot. You can yeah, just kind of make I, uh, up your own. I agree with you. I mean, it, the movie is a very, very awesome. Uh, it has a lot of gravitas. It has point. A to point B, uh, the storyline is fantastic, actually, you know, it just tells about what happened, uh, you know, the Punisher is like on like a, some of them are rampage, so he's on rampage, and of course he's hiding out because he doesn't want to get caught, um, but sometimes I think that he, he should be working for the law enforcement, because the way he yeah, fights, yeah. but of course the cops don't like, and of course, eh, I, 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 I mean, of course, it's their opinion, of course, but you know, but I think that a guy like that who dresses up as the Punisher, of course, you know, should fight crime. And of course, <laughs> I believe that's his moniker, you know, he just kills and whatnot. Yeah. I mean, it works in the comic books. Oh, yeah. Um, but uh, in real life, not so much. <laughs> not so uh, much, I, I mean, think. And it's, it's weird, too, because in real life now, I mean, I... I I used to really love the Punisher. I'm still a big fan of the Punisher, but now he's kind of taken on a, a, like a right wing context. Uh, you see a lot of like ex- right wing extremists taking the Punisher logo and making it their own. Uh, so I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit, not so much, uh, like a, uh, not as much of a fan as the Punisher as I used to be, but um, they kind of, they, cause they've kind of taken it over. Uh, but I still, I still do, do enjoy the character in context of the comic books. Um, you know, he's a great uh, part of the Marvel puzzle uh, because, you know, he's he's a very dark version of, um, you know, what a typical Marvel superhero should be. And now it's um, when you see the beginning of the movie, it says Marvel Knights. So it's not Marvel Studios, yeah, that's, that's, it's that's, Marvel Knights because they want to make it more darker, more yeah grittier and whatnot. I believe that was like a film division they were trying to get started, right? They, yeah, and then, of course, when I first got it, I'm like... What's Marvel Knights? Oh yeah, it must be like one of the comics. Because they did one of the uh, Marvel Knights. Also did one of the like the Ghost Rider movies, I think. Right? Yeah. Or was it both of them? I don't know. I I I think it was the second one, but yeah, it was Lion Gate, then Lion (laughs) Gate, uh, Studio and whatnot, and of course it said Marvel Knights, and it just like so brutal and yeah. And I think their goal was they were going to do a whole division trying to do like the darker side of Marvel, but uh, unfortunately, Punisher Warzone didn't do too good, and of course. Uh, the second Nick Cage, um, the Ghost Rider was even worse, uh, so that kind of died. 
Um, they didn't really have any legs to stand on on that one. But uh, actually, uh, not to get too off topic here, but I actually like the first uh, Nick Cage Ghost Rider. It was kind of fun. So do I. It was the same very, director. Very it was the same director as um, what do you call it? Uh, Daredevil, the Ben Affleck Daredevil. Uh, but they, they suffered from similar issues um, as uh, you know, Punisher War Warzone, uh, where they have like those goofy villains and whatnot. Um, almost similarly, they have like a group, like there's, there's like that group of elemental villains in um, Ghost Rider. Remember that they have like that water guy and the wind guy. Oh yeah, the and water then, guy, and then the like the fire that, guy, the, uh, the well, stone Ghost Rider's guy. like the fire guy. Oh yeah, they have a. But there's like the water, water guy, guy and the wind guy, guy, and then and like the, the dust guy, or or something like that. Yeah, oh. windy guy, or I forget his name. Or something. Is. Oh yeah, the wind guy, the water guy. And the, I don't know, I forget what the other guy was. There's like three elemental villains. They reminded me of like those three hench or those not henchmen, but they're like three like um, heist guys. I don't know. They, that was in uh, Punisher Warzone. The, the, the oh, parkour, yeah. the parkour brother. What are they called? That's it. Oh, they were yeah. so goofy. They reminded me of those villains, but they they were so all the villains in this were super over the top and goofy. But them in particular, uh, it was just so like cringe. They're going around doing parkour and. I don't know. There was one guy. He was like, I don't know what he was. He, had, he was the dude with the dreadlocks, but he was like Irish and he had like gold teeth. He was like the ringleader, and I don't know. He was. They were just nuts. And uh, there's that scene where Frank Castle uh, blows one of them up with a uh, rocket launcher as he's parkouring from rooftop to rooftop. They were just so over the top, goofy, and uh, they just lived for parkour. Yeah, and of uh, course, you know, when the Punisher's <laughs> around, you know, you don't want to be around. And of course, they're, they're like uh, they're playing like that uh, 2000s like heavy metal uh, as they're parkouring everywhere. It's it's, it's just so awful and dated. Um, yeah, that was just uh, one part of the awful puzzle. But uh, the, like I said, all the other villains too. There was like there's one part where um, Jigsaw he goes in. Uh, you know, he, of course, he can't. He's he's trying to stop the Punisher. He can't stop the Punisher. And so he decides to recruit all the gangs from across the city. Uh, there's this whole subplot where, like, um, they're, they're bringing in, like, um, what do you call it? Someone's bringing in, like, a biological weapon into the city, and it's, they're supposed to sell it to terrorists. They're going to set it off in New York. And um, and then the, uh, what is it, Jigsaw is aware of it. And so he uses that later to get out of prison and, and, and get some information on the on Frank Castle and his associates. Um but yeah, there, there's one scene where um, what was I talking about? I lost my train of thought. A micro or oh yeah, a... well that's what's right. So he, he's trying to stop the Punisher and whatnot. And after after he gets out of prison and he's waging his war on Frank Castle uh, for you know ruining his face because he's like apparently he's very like vain. And remember the like before he got his face all jacked up, he he keeps looking in the mirror and you know staring at himself because he's so beautiful and just when I'm okay, I. I see my reflection on Oh yeah, and what has he done to me? Yeah, after he gets his face fucked up, then uh, then he's all like mopey about it. He didn't give a shit about anything else except his face, and so he's he's waging his war on Castle, and uh, so he like recruits a bunch of like the the city's gang, uh, you know, gang members. So he goes to like, um, you know, I don't know. There's like an Asian gang and a black gang, and he goes all over the place and gets all the different gang members, and uh, he. he gives him weapons and stuff like that but it's so silly because like he's like he's like saying like this big speech uh in front of like a projection of an american flag like a black and white american flag it's so goofy i don't know it's it's so like cartoonish and then the way he's walking around all the time he's walking like he's bobbing around like a like a damn looney tune i don't know 
I don't know. It's just so silly. I feel like they played it too too broad. Very, very um, much. When, very, very good movie. Yeah, when Ray Stevenson, he played it very like dark and straight and gritty. Uh, it was just too much of a contrast. Like they, I feel like people didn't know where to go with it. I don't know. I feel like it should have been one or the other. It should you know, like Deadpool. Like Deadpool is just just a uh, you know. I feel like it has those gritty moments, but it's just pretty. It's pretty wacky all the way through. You know, whether you're a villain or a hero, you're it's you know everyone's kind of on the same page. Where this, it's like it's all over the place, random and whatnot. Because it has like this really gritty, dirty, like disgusting feel to it. But then you have like these goofy ass characters. I don't know. But like I said, Ray Stevenson really makes this movie. Um, and like I said, I really loved his his uh, chemistry with Wayne Knight. I really wish we got more of them together and like how they became friends. And I wish uh, Wayne Knight was in the movie yeah. more often, but I have no idea what happened. But uh, his role in Seinfeld as Newman, then we get to see him as Micro. It's like, wow, it's it's, it's, it's so fun. You got Wayne Knight and Pusher Warzone. We saw him in Seinfeld. We saw him in Jurassic Park. Wow. Oh yeah. Woo-hoo! Yeah, that that was, uh, yeah. Like I said, they were definitely good together. Um, yeah, and then I also like like I mentioned before, like the more subtle moments, like when um, there's a part where uh, he's trying to take the family, the the wife and the daughter of the the agent that he killed. He's trying to uh, you know take them back to his lair. He apparently he has like a lair inside of like the subway system. I don't know how no one has discovered him yet. It's really weird. Like you think someone doing maintenance down there would have found his secret room with his computer computers and weapons and whatnot but i don't know not to get too off topic here uh but uh he takes him back to his lair and then uh the girl finds like a chest full of uh um his daughter's uh toys and whatnot and and, uh you know he's he's comforting her and letting her play with the daughter's toys and telling her you know oh yeah that was my daughter's favorite it's like a snow globe and blah 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 so i like some of those more subtle moments so he could really take it uh, to those extremes where he's like blowing people's faces off and then uh, down to like the more emotional levels uh, between, you know, the, you know, the daughter and, uh, you know, him just interacting. Uh, you know, he, I feel like he has a wide range. He did a great job with that. Uh, he really fleshed out the Frank Castle character a lot. Uh, it was good to see that. I think we, we didn't really get to see too much of that in the first one. Well, he did at the beginning, like when, when him and his family, but after that it was all just like gung-ho and whatnot. Um, what would you, what would you rate? I would rate this, uh, nine out of 10 and a 10 out of 10. (laughs) You give it two ratings and they're both pretty high. Uh, wow. Okay. I would say I would give it a six and a half out of 10. Uh, all those points are because of Ray Stevenson's, uh, phenomenal portrayal as Frank Castle. Um, most of the other actors were garbage. I forgot, I forgot to talk about, too. There was another whole subplot. Um, there was the partner of the guy who got killed, the undercover agent who got killed, who was waging a war on Frank Castle. Uh, he was mad because the police, you know, they weren't doing anything about it. They have a task force, they have a task force on Frank Castle to try and catch him. Uh, but it's literally one guy named Soap. And he basically, he lets Frank slide on things. Like, he, he just he's looking for him, but he's not really looking for him. And um, there's a whole subplot of that cop trying to find uh, Frank Castle and take him down. Eventually, he joins Frank Castle's side and uh, he realizes that um, he needs to keep him, uh, you know, keep him working so he can uh, keep that family safe. Uh, you know, that ever undercover agent's family safe and whatnot. Uh, so it's, uh, it's a lot, lot going on in this movie. Uh, like I said, most of the great stuff comes from Ray Stevenson. 
Um, yeah, so definitely a six and a half out of ten for me. Uh, it's it's good it's good uh, rewatch, uh, you know, just to see some crazy gory action and uh, you know see some good Frank Castle action and whatnot. Uh, but the, the like I said, the the only off putting part is I would say is, is like the villains and the craziness and whatnot, doing the bad Italian accents. Uh, just it's just cringe. And then there's like that one uh, Hispanic gang member that Micro partners up with, and he for some reason he sounds Irish. I don't know. I don't know what's going on with that movie. Yeah, not to get too off topic. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, uh, so, um, oh yeah, another, another one that I've seen of, uh, Ray Stevenson, uh, I just watched it recently. It was, uh, have you seen, uh, Kill the Irishman? I have. It's a very, very, very good movie. It was pretty good. Uh, a lot of people didn't like it. Uh, I don't think it did too well box office wise, but I would like to, um, I think people compared it too much to, um, the, uh, Goodfellas. And I think that's that's when a movie, you know, you're going to a movie's going to have a downfall if you try and compare it to like a, a widely critically acclaimed movie from, you know, a you know, a director like um like Scorsese and whatnot. But of course, speaking of that movie, um Vincent D'Onofrio was in that movie and Bob Gunn is in the movie because apparently they were both in Daredevil. Oh, that's true. So I'm uh, like, that's wow. No, there were there were a lot of uh, there were a lot of Marvel alumni, like you said, uh, Vincent D'Onofrio plays uh, Kingpin now, and then we have uh, what's her name, Linda Cardinelli. Oh, yep. Uh, she played um, Clint Martin's wife. Yeah, uh, but she she was um, Ray Stevenson's wife in this movie, in uh, in uh, Kill the Irishman. He he marries her and has a couple of kids with her, and she ends up leaving him because the whole story is that. Uh, He's like a mob. <clears throat> no, he. I mean, not a mob guy, but he, he. He ends up working for the mob. But he. Uh, he's like a guy who works at like the port, or something. They bring in like grain on these shipment things, and they work in, uh, you know, shoveling grain. And it's the working conditions are awful. I think it's like the nineteen seventies or something. In like, uh, what where, what city does it take place in? I think it's like. I think it's in the seventies or the. I forget what city it is in. Like. Not Boston, but what, what is it? I forget. I forget where it takes place. But um, I don't know. The working conditions are awful, and so he 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 wants to run for um, president of the union and stuff like that. But the guy, the guy that's there, he's like really ingrained in that role, and so he, um, you know, he's he 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 doesn't give a shit about the working conditions and whatnot. So eventually, uh, uh, Ray Stevenson's able to like muscle his way into that position. Uh, but unfortunately he got involved like with the, um, with the mob and then bringing in stolen goods from the port. And, um, you know, he, he has like a, like a swift rise and fall. And then eventually he gets like convicted of, um, you know, doing illegal activity with the mob. So he gets kicked out of the, the union. Uh, and eventually, um, he starts doing a bunch of other stuff, uh, for the mob. And, uh, he, I think he has to go right in, uh, try and get the, garbage men he, he gets involved with like the garbage men uh, and having them join like the mobsters union and uh you know he gets uh, th- there's like a whole big mess because he knows one of the guys really close that's part of like that you know that he's trying to get to join the the union and whatnot and he has to try and kill him but he doesn't want to kill him and i don't know it's this whole thing and eventually the mob turns on him and, they, and the whole thing is that they're trying to the mobsters are trying to kill uh ray ray stevenson's character it's pretty crazy, but they can't do it. Like they keep trying to blow them up. And it, this is a real story too. Like apparently at that time there was a lot of car bombings and whatnot. And like, they kept trying to like attach 
car bombs to try and blow him up and he, he actually got kind of blowed up at one point but he survived somehow and this is all true and whatnot and you can they even use like real like uh news snippets in throughout the movie and whatnot um and then the they, they try and do like multiple hits on the guy and uh he keeps he keeps surviving and of course at the end of the movie spoiler alert uh he you know he ends up dying but uh because and you know because of his death it ends up unraveling the whole network of of mafiosos and whatnot and eventually takes them down uh it was a very interesting story though i i thought it was pretty good um what what, what was your opinion on kill the irishman it was very very good and i give it my reading a eight out of ten Ooh, that's your lowest rating i've ever heard you give i would say yeah i would say i would definitely give it like a, a seven Seven out of ten. Well, the thing is that you know, I uh, I didn't realize it was a sad movie until I saw it. I mean, I didn't realize it was gonna be sad. I mean, I I thought it was gonna be like a have like a happy ending, but you know, I I get what you're saying about like you know, it has a, a very very sad ending. But nevertheless, Ray a... Stevenson's performance is fantastic. Yeah, he did a great job in that movie as well. Like I said, he has, he has like the commanding presence. Um, it, it is a sad ending, but then it's not a sad ending because. Uh, he did he ended up dying in the end but uh because of that he you know it eventually led to the downfall of the mob and whatnot so it's kind of a bittersweet ending if you will um but yeah i fairly enjoyed it uh and of course you know we, we've seen ray stevenson as Volstag in the thor movies i'm a big fan of thor and the marvel beard. cinematic universe uh i feel like they it was widely underutilized in those movies but uh he, his character was definitely amusing especially in the first one i think that's when we see m- most of volsteg uh, I, I wish we had gotten more of his character uh you know he's such a great actor i feel like they should utilize him what do you think they should have he is a legendary actor full of grop toss his acting performance in movies is fantastic and it is so awesome that who knows we may just see his movies yet again because they are so legendary and so fantastic oh yeah definitely definitely one of my favorite lines from him in that movie uh in the it was the first thor movie as volsteg he said uh, don't mistake my appetite for apathy and i think uh i think i might use that in my everyday life you know just because i'm hungry doesn't mean i don't care i'm just hungry i'm, I'm gonna chow uh yeah um I believe this brings an end to this episode of uh, The Men Who Watch Movies. We had fun talking about uh, Ray Stevenson, of course. Very, very much. And, of course, you know, don't kill the Irishman. Um, kill I, the Irishman. Oh, oh, kill the Irishman, of course. Uh, uh, I give that movie a 10 out of 10. <laughs> I knew I knew, I knew that uh, 8 out of 10 was suspiciously low. Yeah. You, was, you, I, you love giving movies high accolades. Of I, course I do. I mean, I, uh, I'm, a, I'm a fan of movies. I'm a great art of movies you know when i see a movie i just want to see it and just know what's going to happen hey i can i admire that you know you go in and uh you have fun regardless uh you know i i think i need to aspire to that because sometimes i'm a little too critical of movies going in and i just need to take it in as it is and just enjoy it yeah take it Uh, in with a grain of salt and yeah you know be more positive i think is the message here you know but but uh Definitely, uh, we've enjoyed Ray Stevenson's movies. Great actor. Yep. Uh, he'll be missed. Uh, of course, you know he was supposed to be in uh, a new movie that um, that was coming out. He he was currently filming a movie. I can't remember the title of it, but uh, that's when they rushed him off to the hospital, and you know he unfortunately passed away. 
so there's a new movie coming out. Uh, I'll get the title for that and I'll post it somewhere. Um, so we have, a, you know, another Ray Stevenson movie to look forward to. He worked with Rosario Dawson on that particular movie and she posted about it, uh, you know, how, you know, about his untimely passing and whatnot and how he was, he was a great guy. Um, and of course also he's going to be in the Ahsoka series coming up, uh, who, you know, he also worked with Rosario Dawson on that as well. <clears throat> Excuse me. He worked with Rosario Dawson on that as well. So, um, you know, uh, there's some uh, amazing images of him with like a white beard uh, wielding like a red lightsaber. Uh, so I can't wait to see him in that. Uh, so we still have some uh, stuff to see him in um, before, uh, you know, before his final movie comes up. So, uh, you know, we'll enjoy uh, what's left of his, you know, uh, unreleased material. And uh, we'll yep. keep rewatching his movies in his memory. Of course. Uh, well, it's been fun uh, talking about. Uh, Before we conclude this podcast ooh, to so an end, um, subscribe to my channel, Movie Man behind this Movie Man behind the scenes. Definitely. Of course, I talk about I talk about cooking tips, and I talk about other funny stuff, which is the Seinfeld episodes. So, <laughs> my episode is uh, the Junior Man, of course. Very, very funny. Very, very <laughs> hilarious. But if you do get a chance to see it. I do a little song, of course, but you know me. Ooh, I, really? I am what I am. You're full, a full um, like entertainment man. Yep, like I you, am. You, you, I you am pull what all I the am. stops. You, you am. You are what you are. Uh, yeah. So check out his channel. I'll put a link to it in the end screen. Uh, definitely, uh, you got a lot of good stuff going on over there. And uh, come visit us back again. Uh, we'll we'll try and get another one up next week. I know we haven't been posting regularly, uh, but we've been busy. Uh, but we're gonna try and get some new stuff up for you, uh, some new content. We're gonna uh, we you know we checked out that new uh, Michael J. Fox documentary. So I have maybe, not seen it, but oh, I, I, I want to see it. I really want to see it. <laughs> yeah, it was really good. Uh, maybe I can uh, I can log you into my. Uh, yeah, Apple TV Plus account. You can check it out. We can talk about it next week. I know we've been wanting to uh, talk about Michael G. Fox. Um, you know, we've got some other st- good stuff coming up, so stay tuned. We're going to try and post more regularly. Uh, but in the meantime, my name is Alec. And my name's DJ the Movie Man Wagner, also known as COE of the Men Who Watch Movies. And of course, subscribe to my channel, which is called Movie Man Behind the Scenes. Uh, yeah, I'll send baby. you the link. Yeah. And of course, uh, we hope it goes viral. I hope it goes viral, of course. I hope it goes super viral. Oh, yeah. But <laughs> we remind you to keep on watching. And of course, have a good day. God bless. Have a awesome day. Thank you, everybody. <laughs>